Okay. Hold on, we'll talk okay. about Winter, spring, summer, fall, seasons change. We still keep it together. Hey, Beverly Hills 90210 fans, are you ready to dive deep? Episode by episode, storyline by storyline, character by character, as we break down the making of your favorite zip code with your host. Charles Rose. Did I say that? Yeah. Harry Mullen. There's this thing about the, the, the real person. And we go, what? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. I'm feeling wonderful. <laughs> Kathleen <laughs> looks crush, TV crush worthy. Like so many special guests. And all your questions. Live on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Oh, yeah. Well, here we are, Charles, uh, back on the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Everybody's waiting in the wings just to let everybody know. Big so. group today, guys. A lot, of, gonna... a lot of voices, different ways to look at an episode. Whew, there's so much happening in this episode. Um, the very controversial uh, Everybody Dance Now. I don't know if you know about that, but people think, you know, hey, I mean, but we love the falsetto. I mean, so we're going to have to bring that show on the road, the singing Everybody Dance Now. What do you think? Well, we're excited to announce that next week, me and Charles and Larry and Melanie are going to be covering a very cool episode. That's why the group isn't with us. We wanted to talk about it here first. We're going to be covering the Peach Pit After Dark. And we've got some really, really awesome uh, things and people lined up. People are saying yes. We've reached out and invited everybody who's ever performed at the Peach Pit After Dark for next week. Uh, Hopefully, we get one or two of them. A couple have said they should be good. Um, but this is going to lead to our first live experience in August. We're putting it all together now. Where we're going to do a Peach Pit After Dark pop up somewhere in LA. So if you're in LA or California somewhere and you want to come hang out with us for a couple hour of hours, um, this is what we're planning. Are you excited to maybe meet some of these people that have been listening and watching the podcast uh, in person? Yeah, me personally. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially here from the LA area. And and look, we have one tonight with us who yes. I knew was a fan, but I didn't know she listened to us here and that she was in Super Vandom. Like my friend Lauren, who's beautiful yeah. and waiting in the wings. Yes. So let's bring on some of the people that are here. This is a, Castles in the Sand is such a incredible episode and the episode that that precedes it's also very good too because we've got oh, brenda yeah. in paris there's a lot of good things happen you mentioned your friend uh lauren who has been uh we're bringing her on here she's a, a friend of yours who's also a fan of our podcast you found that out recently right so, yeah, so what do you think of the podcast guys it's um wednesdays are great again thanks to the podcast <laughs> i love it it's it's amazing you know i've watched the show since it aired probably maybe seven or eight times from start to finish. So it's really fun to get to kind of explore behind the scenes and, and hear from all of you very amazing, talented people who created this show. And, and um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. They're doing the deep dives into the episodes. Yeah. Well, this is going to be a fun one. So let me bring everybody else on. I want to bring on uh, Jessica Klein, of course, first, who we've missed so much. 
Jessica, how are you? Everybody asks every week, where is Jessica Klein? And we don't know what to say. So we just, I don't know, you know, but I'm where great. are you I'm, and how are you? Right at this very minute, I'm in uh, my grandson's bedroom. He's nine. Um, he lives in Los Angeles, uh, but I'm visiting. So you get the benefit of seeing his room. Um, I wasn't it's feeling great, but now I feel fine. He's a fine. very sophisticated nine-year-old. Yes. Well, what we, do you notice that you find sophisticated? <laughs> the wall and the pillows and the gray, the color, color and the neatness. Well, I, 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 just I had a little know. hand in the neatness part. Grandma, grandma, <laughs> grandma. Before you walked <laughs> in, I'm sure yeah. it was like, I can't do it here. Um, <laughs> but uh, everybody is saying in the thing how much they missed you and whatnot. And I'm glad Thank that you're, you. you're feeling yes. better and, and all that. So, hey, I'm our glad friend, I'm back. Thanks so much. Also, our friend Diane Kennedy is here. Hello, Diane. It's good to see you. Hello. Of course, Hi, Diane. did all of Hi. the wardrobes in the first few seasons there. It's yeah, different. but also you must have been in every facet of coming together with the wardrobes and look of the uh, the the Beverly Hills Beach Club in the first place. Yes, I mean, oh, yeah. you, you know, so want to hear about that in addition to you know, just. I mean, I just watched. Not to one today, we're focusing on Castles in the Sand, but to prepare for it, I watched the. Uh, how how the character of Brooke was introduced the episode before, and Jenny walks out in that white outfit and goes in there at the end, and Dylan is waiting. I just I forgot about that scene. <laughs> I got to confess, it's really it's really intense, and she looks like I mean she looks like a million bucks. She what was it? It was the Grace Kelly moment. Yes, is that is that Marilyn? I was just gonna say yeah. it's Marilyn Monroe all the way. Yeah. Yeah. Even more. All right, let me introduce who else is with us too. I know we don't normally do it this way. I don't even know why I did it this way, but this is how it's happening. Um, but I know everybody has wanted her on this podcast for so long. And I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even know how I found her. It took a few channels and whatnot, but we have Brooke. We have Alexandra. <laughs> we have Alexandra uh, Wilson, who was Brooke in the episode. And it's really exciting to have you here. It's how are great you? to be here. I'm fantastic. Thank you. It's good to see you. Um, we were all laughing because Alexandra also did a curbed. We're going to ask her about that probably too. <laughs> and then also Charles's friend, um, Sam Kaplan. We're going to say hi to him too. He's the one who designed all the incredible castles in the sand. Uh, so we're going to find out about uh, about that as well. All right. So let's start this Charles and uh, and and Jessica probably um, introducing the character of Brooke. And writing this person, Charles, me and you watched it um, on Patreon this week. Talk to me about creating a character like like Brooke. <laughs> well, this was the one that um, uh, that uh, Biller and Brancato wrote, right? They were they did the volleyball stuff. You and Steve did this one, the, and they the, did the uh, we we did uh, Summer Storm and which was the previous episode. And then Anne Donahue did Castles in the Sand. Right. Summer Miller Storm Brian... was, the, was the one. Oh, yes. But the one, two before was. Two before was is what introduced them. I, was that Bill Aaron Brancato? I didn't watch that. Yeah, one. yeah. And that, that's the one that, that's right. We skipped over one because how could anything, how could this story, no offense to Alexandra or to, to, uh, Steve Sand to Brooke or Steve Sanders or Brandon, but you know, number five was about uh, 
Kelly and Dylan for sure. So and no, except she was, except their story was definitely Alexander. Your story was definitely there, and the that thing, one, yeah. mm -hmm. and at, what what strikes me about it, looking back, is every time we would come up with a character uh, to throw into a romance with Brandon, we knew that it or with any any anybody from the outside, romances need obstacles because they can't last forever. The guest star is not going to be the, the one true love for our brand. I wouldn't and, mind it. <laughs> and he probably wouldn't mind it either. But, uh, I don't remember the moment that we all said, you know, what we need to do as an obstacle is let's make her a racist. And that's what we did. I thought it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Well, it, it kind of comes, I realized that your character, Brooke, is from Palace Verdes. And, you know, I uh, played sports for Beverly Hills High School. And we and in those years, in the late 60s, we were an overwhelmingly Jewish school. And everybody kind of knew that. And we didn't play against the high schools near us where they also had a, had a large uh, a Jewish population. We went down to the South Bay where we weren't really royally welcome. You know, and so I once had some words hurled at me when I was 14. So that always stuck with me. Um, and that's why it's from Palos Verdes and not uh, Redondo Beach, you know, because that never <laughs> happened at, at Miracosta, you know, where they played fair. But it was tough, <laughs> uh, tough on the hill. So I wanted to. Uh, and I and so and so it just seemed to me that, you know, we've made Brandon this this guy and and then all of a sudden when how do you react you know when when you're polar opposites on a political or is it moral you know choice and and um you know it's not something that you think about but as a political uh activist myself when i was a young guy yeah i didn't you know i didn't ask the girls who i knew you know were from you know to go out with me if, if they weren't, you know, ready to go to an anti-war demonstration in Florence. Uh, <laughs> right. you know, and we almost broke up over it, in fact. I'm sure that's happening more often these up. days, too, by the yeah. way. Much more. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that's kind sure. of really bizarre, isn't it? That how much of it is the... How, and so let me ask you about that. So you look at it, you've watched these two. How does it connect when you look at it and then no that was 1993 and how how subtle your character was and misinterpreted you know however it was versus the reality of today in in you know dealing with the same matters my daughter would say that brooke would be canceled <laughs> <laughs> there is, i told you before he came on there was a few fans that think, wow, I can't believe you're going to have Brooke on. And I'm like, <laughs> the actress is an actress. <laughs> it was really, really difficult to play that part. And I know, I remember when I went to the audition, I walked into the warmest room of people, thank you very much. And I just walked in and I went, I want this part because I think that racism runs deep. It's in our DNA. And I really, really, I, I really want to play this part. And I also said, I've already had Luke, now I want Jason. <laughs> um, but that's beside the point. Um, but yeah. That's I, right, I, you, did, you, you did soaps, right? You, yeah, you I did, did Loving. My first job was with Luke. That was, yeah, that's Jessica's route too into all of this mission. I started in soaps too. Oh, you did? What soaps? Uh, as the world turns, I was the head writer of that twice, and 
capital and one life to live and a little Santa Barbara. Yeah, lots of we could have crossed paths on As the World Turns. I was on there for a very, very short little stint with Dusty. I played Sage Holland. Ah, well, you <laughs> yeah, never know. <laughs> it was a quick one. <laughs> it didn't last. <laughs> so you 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 get this script, right, at some point, and you, you're reading all this. Yeah. I mean, it's also, we should always, I feel like as an older person these days, I'm always saying, it was the 90s. Like, you have to start the, <laughs> you know, you have to start the sentence that way. But it was the 90s. So what was your reaction um, to reading what, what was what was written? It just spoke to me. I knew it was my part. I, I've only felt that way a couple times in my career, and this was one of them. And it just I felt very passionate about it and strongly about it. And I really think that the way it was written was so good because she seems like this kind of cool girl, very confident, all-American. And then just these little, like, sidelines come out of her mouth and then Jason's sort of like did I just hear that <laughs> what did I just hear her say oh but she's cute so okay but um I think that it was uh I just was destined to play that part I, I really wanted to play it but again as I was saying it was really difficult to go for it to, to yeah. really well, really be that, that character I think that you know when I think about the character seeing it now it looks to me like somebody, it's a dinner table conversation that sure. you had in your family. This, this you, you didn't just, you know, see a, a politician on television and say, okay, I'm this person. It was the build. It was what was being exchanged. You yeah. know, it reminds me of uh, right before 902, and, you know, I, I had a, a life as a movie of the week writer, and I did a biography of Moore's D's with Corbin Birdson. For NBC, for NBC, and and um, Morris, who is this civil rights guy, he he basically he's the man who bankrupted the Ku Klux Klan, and these people did a heinous crime that that the Klan had to take responsibility for in civil court. But in criminal, these guys were you know were awful and murderers, and they wanted to throw the death penalty at him, and 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 Morris goes steps right in. And says no because this guy, this is all he knew. He grew up with it. This is what he learned. This is, a, and we're all products of that. You know what yes. we and and so how you filter it, how you, who you want to be, how you want to be, and it's too. And when you're in affluence, um, it's kind of easy to get even a protected shield. Sure, I think. You know, uh, what do you guys think about that, Diane? You, you what do you think that's a a fair assessment or? Yeah. I mean, you know, guys, I, I grew up in the heart of it uh, in Louisiana in the fifties and sixties. Um, I know people that hunted black people for sport uh, in those days. Um, it w it affected me more than I can possibly explain. Um, it was heartbreaking. Martin Luther King days, John Kennedy assassination, Robert Kennedy assassination, the whole nine yards was just all there for me, you know, and. Um, and from the South and from the South. In the South. Yeah. In the South. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, mm. It was it was intense uh, in those days and horrible. Um, and, and, and it, it affected me greatly. 
Yeah. Well, so much of the movie of JFK is set in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, Oliver Stone's, uh, you know, uh, nightmare. Well, there, the, the DA, the DA wanted to um, yeah. prosecute. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it happened there. He was uh, New Orleans DA. Right, exactly. Yeah. Our friend Katie says um, Alexandra Wilson is just as beautiful now as she was back in the day. So that's oh, a, a, you a very... are so kind. Please give me your address so I can send you some flowers. Because <laughs> it's been a long was, time. <laughs> while we're with Diane on this, um, she, Chuck mentioned earlier that you did design. That we obviously are at the beach club in this. And there's a lot of things that you did did some stuff here for. You've got we've got the beach club outfits. We've got Brenda in Paris. So there's a lot of different looks in Castles in the Stand, and of course all the stuff that that Kelly is uh, wearing. But let's talk about the beach club first. And if you remember, um, how did you come up with or designing what the outfits would look like? These have become iconic. People are looking for the shirts. It's 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 a, it's a thing. You know what I mean? So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what happened to those shirts, actually. Um, but yeah, uh, I coordinated with Drew uh, in terms of color. And uh, what would look good on the actors was, of course, priority for me. Um, and I wanted to mix it up. I didn't want everybody in the same thing. Right. So um, we had to have, you know, the green, the pink, and the white, and then switch all that up as much as possible. And when I watched the episode, I wanted to give um, a shout out to props because they did a good job of coordinating color as well. Little things catch my eye, like the whistle that Andrea wore, you know, the green, the green uh, string it was on that, that all that little stuff adds up to a really good look. So I wanted to give a shout out to them. And, um, you know, of course, we had everything embroidered. It was an upscale club, so we wanted it to look really nice. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We had lots of it, too. I don't know I mean, where they went. I know. We have one, I think. You do? Yeah, Karen used to have one, I'm sure. Steve we had the I wish I would have taken one. <laughs> we need the logo, Chuck. Something, right, Jess, you guys? Steve had had one of the shirts for sure. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. So all the producers dove in, huh? We need the logo. Diane we need the logo so we can remake these shirts. But you're also... I have to thank Diane because my daughter was in a couple of these summer episodes and you dressed our daughter's chucks too. So adorably. They looked so cute and it was, oh, it was very, very I, nice. I don't... Remember, you know, that was a very busy episode for me. Well, Andrea so says, I was like, oh, girl, Shira, yeah, dig here. She shows Shira how to how to make the sandcastle, whatever. But they, they oh, close. Right. you put them in. Oh, that's nice. Thanks. So thanks. Um, uh, even playing even with Jim and Cindy's outfits are very colorful and sort of like on the on the on the, you know, in the same wheelhouse of everything that we're seeing in these episodes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you try, you try to keep it all um, easy on the eye, uh, without jolting, and also blending with the sets. Um, you know, I try, I try to work with Drew as much as possible. Um, you know, to try to coordinate costume with background uh, colors in the background. So we, 
we uh, try to work with the art department as much as possible there. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chuck, um, Melinda wants to know, wasn't Brooke's last name Alexander and her name is Alexandra? Did you do that on purpose? Oh, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me consult myself. <laughs> no way do I know the answer to that. You know? uh, I think it's I, no. I, <laughs> question, I think, it's I fair would, enough. I think I that's think a big so. no. Because we, we had finished the name and we used to be pretty formal with the names. We'd give them full names. We had to get them cleared legally. So yes, right. Right. So, right. Yes, that's right. So my trick for always for that was if I really wanted to use the same sound of someone's name, I'd misspell their name. Smart. And then tell the directors pronounce this way or tell Diane, uh, you know, to, to do that. <laughs> Great. So that was, that's how you could get around it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I want to let everybody know, too, that's watching that uh, is on our Patreon. Diane is going to be hanging out with us after dark after this. So if you have other wardrobe questions that you want to know, she will be with us in that chat. So I just wanted to let everybody aware of Peter, that. Do you mind if I just say that costume people prefer the term costume? Sure. Yeah. Uh, wardrobe kind of refers to something that you just grab out of your closet. <laughs> and costumes are much more involved than that. So... Even if they're present day cool. or contemporary, so. Well, thank you for letting me so, know. That. So, you, but is it is the when there's a credit, it says wardrobe, yes? It or says it costume designer and costume supervisor. That's right. And now, with Broadway, would they say wardrobe or would they say costume? No wardrobe. Too? No, no wardrobe. Fuck wardrobe. Why did you do that? <laughs> Why did you do that? Why Very you? Larry David of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, Larry David. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to ask Jessica and, and Charles, you watched this episode back, and before we watched it, Charles, you said you hoped that she that it was that the racism wasn't too over the top. You know what I mean? Essentially, what you said. How, when you watched it back, did you what did you feel about it? Did you feel like it was stronger than you thought or did you feel that it was su as, as subtle as you remembered it and i'll start with jessica on that i'm curious to hear what she says well i actually thought that it was really really well done because it wasn't over the top right. it was it was subtle and in its subtlety it was so offensive <laughs> <laughs> it really and, was and i i really liked that she had something awful to say about many different people i hated everybody yeah. <laughs> Jack was, you know, that our veteran was such a that was such a great character, the homeless vet. And yeah, of good. course, that's what was it, right? I, yeah. Well done. And I I um I I thought that it was exactly as over the top as it needed to be. It wasn't a caricature, so you couldn't dismiss this. And you could and the issue was was Brandon going to let was gonna was gonna let it go, and what I think, Alexandra, you did so beautifully is you brought such warmth to the character, and she was so appealing, and she was sexy, and she was a good kisser, and she was cute, <laughs> and when that on, on the rollerblades, and there she was a winner in every way until she opened her mouth, and he tried, and they tried to find common ground, and they they couldn't. And when he when when he says, you know, you've heard I'm the nicest guy in America, that 
we used to say that a lot. And there, I even think there may have been some press that called him the nicest, called Brandon the nicest. Brandon, guy. yeah, I think so as and well, Jess. So I think we were a little meta, you know, comment, commenting on ourselves. But <laughs> I <clears throat> thought it was really good. And I and I'm not, I don't mean how I wrote any of it. This was a lot of the political content of the show was generated by Mr. Rosen. And I think it was terrific. So how about you, Charles, when you look well, back I'm, on I'm it? curious just with Alexandra, where did you, did you grow up here in LA? Did you grow up near the beach? No, I was born here. I was born in Pasadena, um, oh. but I grew up in Virginia and where? then moved, moved to New York, Virginia, where in Virginia, Fairfax. I, I moved away from LA and lived in Albemarle County for six years. So. Which county? I'm sorry. Albemarle, near Charlottesville. Okay. I'm not really familiar with that. And I haven't been back east in a long time, but it's a beautiful place, that's for sure. Alexandra, um, I, I live in Altadena, so I mean... I oh, mean, you do? Yeah, yeah, we have to go for coffee. We definitely have to go for coffee. Too yes. bad Lincoln's not still open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, that was just for us. Um, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm curious, though, um, for, for you, Alexandra, when you looked back on it, I mean, listen, the reality of this, this is, is that we are in times, we had the George Floyd incident last year. We're in hot, a hot button time period of a lot of these conversations are still being had, sadly, all these years later. Yeah. And when you, and, and I don't know if it feels offensive now because of what we just dealt with during COVID and all that stuff. But when you looked back on it, how did it feel to you? Did it feel did it feel like, oof, God, I can't believe I had to say that? Or or, or what was your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, it was really enjoyable. I have not watched it since it probably aired. So it's been a really long time that I'm not going to add up. <laughs> but it was really, um, it's upsetting to see how, I mean, she's really not very nice. I noticed in the scene when she meets uh, Shannon, Brenda, she doesn't even she like barely even looks at her. I thought, wow, this person's just not very nice, even though she might mm. seem like it. Um, I think that, I think the reason why I love that episode so much is because like I said before, it's all in our DNA and our history, uh, this racism. And I feel like, I think, I'm hoping that we are now going into a time where we will focus more on the heart and just love each other. It's just time to do that. Time to, to know that we're all one. I gotta, ask my, I gotta ask my friend, the senior here, Sam Hall Kaplan, is that possible what Alexandra just said <laughs> after you lived this, this observant life as the cultural mm -hmm. critic of the Los Angeles Times, now retired <laughs> in Malibu, is what Alexandra's hoping for? Is there even a remote possibility that that could be? Poor Sam has to answer this. There's <laughs> <laughs> a hope. And that hope, of course, goes against the experience. But if we deal with anything, we deal with hope. And that's heartfelt. And when we look back on that, and our children, and our grandchildren now, thank you, Chuck. Good luck to yours, mine. Um, it's a real concern. Um, anyway, that's so much for the philosophy. Yeah, Sam, I want to, while we have Sam, you know, obviously Sam is here because one of the things that you did for this 
episode is you helped to construct the castles that are in the sand. The, you 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 put this okay. together, and of course, you're also in the episode as the judge. Uh, yeah, I doubled, down. I doubled down. Got paid double. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is what is the benefit of being. Larry would call it an FOC friend of Chuck, right? <laughs> so that's yeah. what happens with that. Yeah. So, well, I think that's why he threw in a sand castle comes. Uh, the idea of it didn't you that because I had been a sandcastle judge and had been involved in that. I was at that time, yes, retired from the LA Times. I had been their design critic for a number of years, and I was the senior creative consultant to Disney Imagineering. And I did build sandcastles. I'd love to build sandcastles. <laughs> Amazing. And, we and, should all build sand castles. Then we yeah, yeah. So yeah, build them, and of course they become destroyed at the end. So it becomes very ex experiential, existential in a sense. Um, but it was a pleasure because building them, I designed them, and I had to build them. I brought in my class. I was teaching creative, creative thinking at Art Center College of Design. And this was one of the great courses. They still talk about it. I brought the students in. They got paid as extras, and they built the sandcastles and all of this within a week. Um, How did you decide uh, what, what castles would be built for this, for this anyway? I mean, there's the Texas well, building that looks amazing. We put some classics castles, but the problem with that is you don't want to build – the entire thing, we had to build elements. So we wanted to see how it was going to be shot. I had the Batmobile. And of course, I didn't design and build a whole Batmobile. All I did was design and build a fender. So we had the characters over the fender talking. So when it was shot, it did it close in and did elements. And also, they had to be built well, last a week, and part of the episode was shot backwards, where they were basically <laughs> filming. Oh, was that someone coming in? Anyway, um, it was interesting. We did frames, and to make them last, I, I mixed everything with glue. So you really had it stand up there. I, I, and it was a pleasure. There's the secret everybody wanted to know. How did the castle stand that long? It was glue, right? <laughs> there you go. But you see, I mean, sorry, I got cut out, but you used to judge contests, right? Real contests down oh, yeah. in I, I, This was a side, and people used to bring, uh, there were a number of sandcastle contests at that time, beach thing. And being the design critic for the LA Times at that time, they brought me in, so I developed this expertise, which was Sankas, and I enjoyed it. And, of course, I had my kids build them as well and went on to involve in a couple of contests and won. It was fun. Nice. I want Alexandra, I want to mm -hmm. ask you, everybody wants to know about you rollerblading. Is that something that you did back in the day? And do you, <laughs> they want to know if you still rollerblade. So that's, a, you know, that's the, that's our fans. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Jason was very helpful. I was a beginner and he was a professional hockey player, right? Or not professional, but he played hockey. Might as well have been, yeah. Might yeah. as well have been. Um, he, he helped me a lot, um, but I didn't know how to stop <laughs> or anything. So I was faking it. Oh, no, I don't roll away. What? What about, what about volleyball? volleyball? Were you faking that? <laughs> I was so faking that. I had a double. And That's I was right. in my hands right here. Oh, they hurt so bad afterwards. I, <laughs> my hat's off to you, all volleyball players. Um, let me see if this works. I'm going to try to show you something, Alexandra. Let's see. Okay. Oh, thanks for making this, Brooke. Oh, dear. <laughs> Took longer to print out than it did to configure an input. Oh, I'm going to talk computer to me. Well, I love it when you don't say anything. <laughs> Ooh, they got me pretty close. Are you bummed? No, not at all. All right, everybody's asking in the room <laughs> about the kiss, and I know our buddy Larry Mullen loves that. Uh, but you, you did a lot of kissing here with Jason. I think that's all we did. We talked a little bit. <laughs> we kissed a lot. So I wanted. <laughs> So I want to ask Lauren a question on behalf of all fans, and then uh, you can chime in, Alexandra, and then, of course, Jessica as well. The question being, did they do it, those two? Did they have sex when we, when we, when we weren't rolling the camera? And I mean, I'm talking about the characters, not the act. Of course. But well, we can ask Alexandra that question if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Who are you asking first? Oh, Lauren. Lauren, go ahead, Lauren. I represent all fans. I don't you think so. I'm saying no, they did not have sex. Brandon and uh, and and Brooke. Go ahead, Jessica. Sex as defined by our former president Clinton. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't hear. They had sex and they had sex in the cabana. And oh. that's what I says we gotta what go back to parents' cabana. What do you think, Alexandra? <laughs> I really didn't think that they did, but I guess we did. Um, I, I thought that it was sort of a, it was a hot and heavy starting to be a relationship, but the conflict was too in the way. So I, I think that uh, perhaps maybe not, but I don't know. But let me ask you about the kissing. This kissing is hot and heavy. You're new to the show. I, I, we've talked to so many people that have come on as a guest star on the show. It's an it's a big. You came into it when it's a big show. You know what I mean. This is this this show is in. It is in hot. everywhere. Everybody's yeah. talking about it, and you are brought right in to to the spotlight with Brandon. And now you're making out with Brandon <laughs> in a way that is so hot and heavy. I think we all remember probably that more than the racism that the, char the character had. Um, yeah, I remember that part too. <laughs> so tell me about that. Talk to me about walking into this world and then also being like, boom, here we go. I'm kissing Jason, Brandon Walsh. Well, I will say when I first moved out to LA to do another series, um, Luke and I knew Luke and he invited me to the set one day and you guys were in Los Feliz and I came and, and um, Jason was there at lunch and I thought he's pretty cute <laughs> and then next thing I know <laughs> I'm on the show with him and it was really really fun and he's not only a handsome guy he's a good guy and kind and and very I think a really good director because he was very helpful with me like I didn't talk about kissing much with him but I mean, but, doesn't it just say it all for itself? <laughs> in fairness, Jason obviously is was a good kisser. I think that's fair to say. Fair. Very yeah. fair. <laughs> I don't um, think we minded it. That's all I'm going to say. 
<laughs> when we were emailing back and forth, you told me that also that you re that rewatching it with Luke uh, was tough for you because you did know him, and obviously we know what happened with Luke. Do you want to talk about Luke Perry, your friend, and what what you remember sure. about him? Um, another great you you cast two fantastic guys because Luke is a heart of gold. Um, yeah, watching I hadn't seen the show in so many years, and just seeing the uh, the opening, I I I, I cried, and mm. um, it brought back a rushing a rush of a bunch of memories. And we uh, we did loving together. It was our both our first jobs, and he helped me get the job. I I we hooked up before to rehearse and um then we ended up rehearsing the kiss <laughs> and then i went in the next day and i got the part <laughs> and nice. we worked together on loving for about i think about nine months and he's just a dear kind soul and i feel like it's a great loss on this planet and he's very missed very yeah. very very missed yeah, for sure Hey, Diane, people want me to ask you about various looks in this episode, so I'm going to show you a few things and see if you have any memories of this. Uh, here is Brenda, uh, the little white dress that she wore. This is in Paris, I guess. Mm -hmm. Any memories of, of that? Yeah, I. Yeah, it's a pretty little dress, you know. <laughs> I wanted her to look. I wanted her to look accessible when she was with Dean. Um, you know, we did the black Parisian thing. Um, but when she was with him, I wanted her to look more romantic. So we did softer looks for her for that. And, um, you know, I thought she looked gorgeous in this episode. Mm -hmm. That close up of her on the picnic bench, on the bench where they first met, those oh. cheekbones, Lord have mercy, <laughs> look good. Really beautiful. I mean, stunning. And even when she comes back, this is this is some of the stuff when she came back and she's smoking and all that stuff. Well, yeah. I want to ask Chuck about and Jessica about uh, Brenda smoking here in a second. But I mean, she's just absolutely stunning. In, yeah, in she looked really good for this episode. I think she was happy too, which helped. You know, um, yeah. I think she enjoyed stretching a little bit in terms of acting and. Um, and, uh, and I thought her French accent was pretty good. You know, I, I'm i down in Louisiana and French country. We're still governed by Napoleonic law here. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this is a French territory. So I, I my ears perk up when I hear um, your Americans do French accents. Well, that's my, uh, that, that's my friend Joshua Carton, who was brought in to be right. the... Uh, the voice coach who was oh, the uh, okay. who was in season one was her driving teacher, so they oh. knew each other and he had certain skills and he helped her, I guess. Oh yes, well she did a she did a, a mm. pretty good job. There's a really funny story about <laughs> French uh, pronunciation, if you don't mind. I was for it. up in Oregon doing a show, and I went to into the grocery store and there was a bad boy. Um, helping the lady in front of me. And he said, oh, those croissants. I just love those croissants. I'm going to have to give me some of those croissants. And I'm just like dying, right? Because, you know, people speak French down here. So um, 
when I got up to the line, uh, I said, uh, you know, it's actually pronounced croissant. <laughs> he said, he said, you know, somebody told me that, but I figure I'm an American. I'm going to say it like it. <laughs> Uh, we know where he is today. That sums the whole thing up. It really does. The charge the, the FBI will get get him the charges for the, for the incident on January into the Capitol. Uh, very That's my prediction. Uh, that was, a, that was hilarious. But uh, yeah, she was, was there. Was there any thoughts about when you, they said that Brenda and Donna are going to go to France or Paris? What, what what was the outfit thoughts is, that you were thinking about? Did, did you think, well, we have to make, was there a certain look that you were going for with them two going to, to, to Paris? Um, yeah, well, you know, Donna is always Donna, right? right. She's, um, she's always up and perky and got happy. She's always got happy clothes on. So I wasn't too worried about uh, Tori because, um you know, her clothes are always pretty stylish anyway. Uh, but with, with Shannon, we did go with the, um, you know, the black, the black thing. Um, you know, we did that really open weave top when they were leaving. And, and, and then the transition from shopping, um, the black quilted vest that Shannon wore for shopping transitioned into the picnic into the, I keep saying picnic bench, into the park bench. I know what you meant. Yeah. Um, which is where, you know, she starts to fool, um, fool Dean. So um, that was definitely always on the mind to keep her looking French, mm -hmm. um, except for when they were romantic. And then, then we softened it up big time. So, Got it. yeah. Alicia wants to know to Alexandra, um, were you anything like your character in any way? And um, how did fans react to you? I think that's something that Chuck and I and everybody has been wondering. This episode airs. Well, first of all, are, are you like your character in any way? I'm sure you're not overtly racist. I promise I'm not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I, mean, I guess I, I, I tried to bring myself into the character. Um, so excluding I, I, the racism. I'll say that a million that times part. so that no, everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, uh, but uh, I, I, I tried to bring myself into it. I tried to be me as much as I could. Um, I've never heard any fan response, actually, to tell you the truth. So I really don't know how to answer your question. So Sorry. How was the response? How was the response to your hair? That's a really nifty haircut that, that oh, you had. And, and my blonde hair? Really, yeah, what do you think of it? And and all the I love it. <laughs> what do I was think that, of the hair? Was that your style as you walked into the audition? Or yes. It, yeah, yeah. And when did you go to that style? Do you remember? Did you have it? Yes. Was it you for years? You were short? No. I was on a show called Homefront, and um, they kind of broke my heart into a million pieces by firing me. So I thought the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to cut all my hair off. <laughs> so that's why I got that haircut. And then you guys hired me, and it was amazing. Probably because of the haircut. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yes, okay. we, you liked Homefront. We both liked Homefront. We loved that post-war period. I actually oh, I loved it. A oh, script my gosh. about it at one point. Uh, not an 
it's a great time. And yeah, it uh, was I'm a always great show. I don't bring it back, uh, quite frankly. But I'm curious for Alexandra, um, coming off the show and playing such a, you know, such a specific character like that, you did not get recognized. Did you get recognized for being Brooke? You know what? I'm such a chameleon that I would be out with the stat, the whole uh, cast of Homefront and no one would know it was me. So I was, mm -hmm. I just, people don't really recognize me. And maybe a little bit when I was on soap operas, cause I was living in New York city and we're also, you know, close contact. I would get recognized a lot, but here in LA, I, I didn't really know. Hmm. That's interesting. And nobody. Laura, did you ever wear your hair anything remotely like that? Did you ever go real short or real fringe or real something? You know? I never would have had the balls to rock that haircut. <laughs> you could rock it. You could rock it for sure. Oh, you were. I mean, you are a babe beyond my head. <laughs> oh, you're so, so sweet. Um, with me and um, both of us were like, wow. What a knock. Oh. And you still are. You rocked that haircut. It was gorgeous. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, for Chuck and Jessica, there's a couple other things that are happening in this episode that I feel like we need to talk about. Andrea is um, has the deaf student and all of that. And I know that we've talked about that with Gabrielle a little bit, but do you guys want to mention that storyline and how that came to be? And, you know, obviously Gabrielle does do sign language and all of that stuff. So that was a part of, of who she is as a person. Uh, Jessica, do you remember some doing that? I don't remember a lot, but what I, what I um, think about now, as we look back at this is it's wonderful that that story was played out over a few episodes because it wasn't as if we dismissed such something so important um, and as a, just a, something to do for one as a one shot deal. So I thought that was very good. We, I, well, we, the actress who plays the mother was a good friend of Paul and Paul, this was Paul's, you know, prime, you know, social Paul Wagner, I'm talking about who started as just a, a co-producer and just, uh, you know, pulled all the way up to being the, you know, the executive, and he was there from season one to season 10. And uh, this was his area, I think, with social drama or issue-oriented, this was his prime area of interest was, you know, the Disability Act and giving people opportunities to people with disabilities. Alan Toy, who came on with us in season sure. five to play Finley in the wheelchair, that was from Paul. We had one... Uh, the idea of, of the uh, blind pianist that right. we had in season four, that was Paul. So, you know, he didn't, could he when he had something to do, he'd say, what about if you got a character like this and we file it away in the memory bank and then find a place to do it? So that's sort of where that, that came to be. Um, yeah, exactly. And of course, the other thing, obviously, we've talked to Jenny Garth about doing this stuff with Dylan, and you guys are really deep into the triangle stuff and everybody's coming back from Paris and people are admitting things that they did over the summer and all of that stuff. And, you know, we've talked about that a little bit before. Um, but I'm curious when you look back on that, Jessica, because this is you are the author of this <laughs> this triangle, right? Uh Looking back on it, what are your thoughts of it when you saw this playing out? We sold this um, because we knew it was going to make people tune in. We knew that it was going to be, there were going to be two camps. We knew people were going to, some people would be on 
team Brenda and some people would be on team Kelly. We had done this in soaps. The love triangle is the bread and butter of soap operas. And we had to persuade the network that it wasn't going to destroy Brenda or Kelly. And it was very, very important that Brenda have Rick in Paris. That was the key to making her not pathetic. And it was, it was mm -hmm. also very important exactly. that Kelly, I, and I see this as we rewatch these episodes, how much she kept saying, but she's my best friend. I don't want to do this. And Dylan kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And I, I mean, I, we wrote it all and we put it in their mouths, but if, I think that if there's somebody more at fault here, I'd say it was Dylan. And, uh, but, um, but again, they're in high school. Yes, exactly. They're not married. Thank you. And, and the, you know, Brenda's, Brenda has gone off to Paris. And when she meets Rick, she realizes, even says to Donna, do you think it's possible that somebody can meet somebody and out of the blue, it could be their soulmate or whatever it is she says when they're lying in bed? Because this guy has just come in like a shooting star. And that the... I, I just thought it when in looking back, I think it was done really gracefully. I'm proud of it. And the fact that it has continued to make people talk about it 30 years later yeah. was an indication to me that we were onto something. And it was because of the actors that we were able to pull it off. They were all so terrific. And they created characters that are so memorable. And they, I think we were spoiled as writers because you could give Jenny Garth any line and she would make it sound real. And Brenda, too. Yeah. The, Brenda too. The, and, and, and the boys. I mean, they yeah, we, we were really, we were really uh, quite and, a, a cast underappreciated in that regard, how much and, they and made I, to make and, stuff and, work. Yeah. Yep. And, and Donna, we could give her anything funny and she was a great comedian. <laughs> And Steve too. So I I think it was a great experience, uh, and it is just really fun to rewatch it all. Well, the only thing I just want to add is you you know the, you you realize what's going on in Dylan's head was a song he heard at the Peach Pit was that Stephen Stills, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, and it put it in his mind. I didn't license that song. Clearly, I should have, but uh, it, it would or it would have been overkill. Too much on the nose there. Damn! I, I wish I was your lover. Is the song that just goes in my head, and it's like same. Yeah, that song was that. That's with the what with the, the foghorn en, uh, entrance. You know that 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 it really is a. This is a heavy thing going on here. You know that. And it motivates the song, you know, a little bit. You know. I want to bring this up, and I know we did a whole show about this, so I'm going to try to just keep this as simple as possible. But Allison brings up the point that Kelly gets so much hate for this incident with in 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 the in the series, and I think Jenny herself does too. And I think that the camps <laughs> have sort of all these years later, there are people that are still in camps. And I've tried to explain many times when we even did that show that these are actors and they we shouldn't be taught. These are characters and these are actors. But when you hear about some of this, when we did that, both for you, Chuck, and Jessica, we did that show and you saw all the people going at each other about this incident. What what do you feel about that? I mean, as a writer, you must feel wonderful. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah, I have to say, Chuck, you you may have a different memory 
But all I remember at that time was we had the I Hate Brenda Club. And Bre I Hate Brenda was such a strong thing. There was a, a, a zine, a magazine, the I Hate Brenda magazine. There, was a, there were clubs around the country. Kelly was not getting attacked in real time at, when this was going on. Brenda now, got attacked. And, you know, this was, this was always the interesting thing because of the timing. Yes, I Hate Brenda was a precursor of Jezebel and Snarky World and everything else that was to come. And, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, Shannon, as being Brenda or Brenda, the character, was the recipient of that. And and Shannon always would say, it's I hate Brenda, not I hate Shannon. Right. However, the timing is that summer, right as we were having all these episodes playing out, there was Shannon uh, giving the Pledge of Allegiance at the 1992 Republican National Convention. On the same night, the Pat Buchanan basically said death to gay people. And it was a very right-wing evening. Sam, you remember that, I'm sure. And, uh, and, and so then she comes back and she's doing the MTV Awards in Pauley Pavilion right afterwards. And she got booed. Hmm. That wasn't about Brenda. Right. You know, so I think there was a convergence. And... Uh, I just think, you know, the whole thing was, um, you know, just make sure you spell the name right. I mean, it was, it was, we were in the firmament. We were there. It was, it, it was. was uh, and, and, it, and for us, it was a television show. And the more right. controversy, the better. And, and but mm -hmm. I think it's in, it's today that fans, super fans are, are blaming Kelly. And, uh, but they, they weren't blaming anybody then. I don't remember that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. We didn't have that at all. What? What were you, Laura? You sitting there? Got to ask you. Were you? Oh, uh, don't put her on the spot like that. They'll attack her right after this. As soon as this ends, you like we'll them find both her account. Like two minutes and one. Yeah. They were both fine. Or did you? <laughs> did you have strong feelings? You know. They won't find you. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. It's Jessica will protect you. You know. You know, I having been in high school myself I think I was probably in a love triangle or two and so I kind of just felt for everyone honestly um, it was it was you know kind of awful for everyone involved I will admit here and now I I was team Kelly but not because I was anti-Brenda I loved Brenda I just thought that um Dylan and Kelly kind of bonded over the tumultuous relationship with their parents and, and had that connection. Um, so, so I always thought they were a better pair, but no hate to Brenda. I think she's a, a terrific character um, and, and was never in the I Hate Brenda club. No, I can't imagine. I, I can't even believe that the club existed um, because yeah. I loved all the characters of 90210. So even though, even, you know, uh, even whoever you can imagine, I loved those as well. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, well, the other thing that's happening in this episode, of course, is that Steve is representing uh, David in his music career. So uh, that's some fun stuff. Um, I, Charles, I'm curious, putting, making Steve Sanders a manager, uh, David's manager, where does that even come from? I feel like that would have been great in the later seasons that they played off that. Go ahead, Jessica, that's you. Steve Wasserman had been in the music business before he got into the television business. And he was a man, and he managed a band. 
that was very popular in the tri-state area of Ohio, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. And yeah, um, what? Exactly. I remember that. And my brother-in-law too was into bands and had managed bands and his yeah. so young people managed bands. So, yeah. so this was a natural thing for <laughs> Steve Sanders to do. And, you know, we were always looking for fun stuff and it was, it was just a natural. Um, for And it for, always blows our mind that in, in, you know, after season seven, that they didn't keep him, that they, they didn't keep the show business <clears throat> threads alive. Because I don't know if we did because I never watched it again. <laughs> Neither did I, but I know happen to know that that's the fact. David definitely was a performer and did went back into music on and off through the end of the series. But one at one point he was writing jingles. So there you go. Okay. Um, you go. <laughs> I want to show you. I want to show you this look too. Uh, I know our. I know Maggie's probably just freaking out here with this look. Um, but uh, here we have David, no shirt, just the jacket. Diane. Uh-huh. So hot. Yeah. A little peek as to attractions to come, don't you think? I mean, he was turning into a hunk. Yeah. And, well, you know, he, he had suffered through being the, you know, the young kid for long enough. And um, it was about time for him to join the party. So <laughs> uh, we just wanted to show you what was uh, happening there. that's great all right i want to show this uh i want to show this david scene I know that everybody that becomes like a thing that David fans all around everyone knows about him dancing. Charles, when you saw when you see this back, you're like, "That's that's great. The dancing's great." Are you just like want to keep doing more and more of it when you know this guy's this kid's got the uh, talent like that? Oh yeah, it was storylines. We had we knew we'd have storylines. We didn't know specifically, you know, lose the yachts and some of the other stuff uh, that we, we ended up doing with him. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, and he was into it. And he, at the time he was managed by his father and his father wanted it to happen. So, you know, we were really happy to have that and see him, you know, uh, uh, you know, take more center stage because we knew this ever since um, spring dance, that this was a musical, you know, song and dance man ready to happen. Yeah. I want to show Alexandra one of these little Brooke moments. Beat by the romper room. Fixes in. I gotta admit, Andrea did work pretty hard with those kids. They deserve it. Yeah, I guess. I just don't get why she works here anyway. It's not like she needs the money. Oh, <laughs> of course not. Nobody needs money. Come on, Andrea Zuckerman. Hold it. What are you saying? She's a Jewish girl from Beverly Hills. What? Hold on, hold on, Brandon. I meant that as a compliment. I think you should just stop talking now, okay? No, no, I'm not gonna let you tell me I'm wrong about this one too. Jewish people are great with money. I meant it as a compliment. Look, that is not a compliment. That's a stereotype. You know, not all black people have rhythm. Not all Latin people are hot-tempered. And not all Jewish people are great with money. 
for God's sakes, Andrea lives in a tiny one-bedroom apartment with her grandmother. I really don't care where she lives, Brandon. Oh, and then they're going to break up there. Drama. <laughs> I think I was about to get dumped. You were. About <laughs> That's where we were going. But Pete, yeah. that was really great. You saved her from the humiliation of watching that play on to the <laughs> dunking moment. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, we stopped it right there. That's you know. But um, <laughs> enough is enough. Yeah. It was a lot. Um. And but it was a good moment for to. It's a teaching moment. But even though I know you don't love to do that. Chuck, right? You don't you don't want to teach anybody a lesson or anything like that. But there was a really nice message in 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 the writing of this. And mm -hmm. I think what Brooke or what Alexandra did all those years ago is actually really important work because it exposed us, um, anybody who was watching from anywhere in the world in the country that was watching or outside of the country to something maybe they weren't aware of. And, and whatnot. So it was an, it was important messaging, Chuck. When you look back on it now, and I, I want to ask Alexandra this now, um, how important do you think writing some of this was? Well, <laughs> evidently not much. Donald Trump had after the 2016. It's not so it didn't have, did have a long-lasting impact. <laughs> at least it was out there to, for, for, those, for us to cling to. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was it was happy for you know that that it would that it it um, it, it was said, but I you know I can't. This is one Jessica. I remember the production moments, and that's this is the only time I think you and I did really speak because the the director who was a good guy named Paul Lazarus had set up this shot on the sand, and and Jason was agitated, didn't think it was going to work. And the reason he was agitated, of course, is that he was a little nervous about the words that you that you bring up. And so right. and, and the move that that if you notice Paul made, you know, they had the track and then stop. And that's not how Paul wanted to do it. Paul wanted to keep it going a little longer and not have the blah, 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 blah. And, and and I think it was one of the things that. Uh, you know he's not here today, and and, he, and we asked him to come, and and you know it was one of I really liked him. He good theater man, friends of Marta Kaufman, but you know they they you know Jay and Paul was like it, it took it too close to the end. We almost we may have gone into overtime on this episode, and this and you know that's the kiss of death in the spelling company. <laughs> I have to say, what this reminds me of is that all art is political. And all everything any of us write or do on television is political in one way or another. And it's we we set out to entertain, but we knew we had a responsibility and and this show was designed to shine a light on all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and frankly, the smoking was supposed to be a storyline too that they wouldn't let us really do. I want to ask you about that, Jessica. I'm glad that you bring that up because a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that with, with somebody and Chuck gave Karen, his... We talked about it with Karen. I think yeah. Karen remembers it well. But I wanted to ask you, it was a couple of weeks ago, we had an actress on and we were, it was a part of that storyline. Uh, we did the backstory. Um, and people are still talking about that episode of our podcast. But uh, for, for, for Jessica, I wanted to ask you about writing the smoking stuff and and wanting to do more about that. Chuck gave us a little bit of insight on that. But what do you remember about that? I remember that the big argument with any 
negative behavior is that in order to teach about it, whether it's an anti-smoking message or an anti-racism message uh, or an anti any kind of message, you have to have the actor, the cast demonstrate the bad behavior before you stop it. And smoking was what was one of the big things. We had to have one of the characters actually smoke. And we the plan was that Brenda would get more addicted to smoking and that maybe she'd cough or whatever would happen, but she'd have to learn and she'd have to hard harder time quitting. And I don't think they wanted us to do that as mine. Yeah, it was the biggest biggest fight I got in with them. Was that, like I say, I lost that fight. I couldn't I couldn't convince them, you know, you know, that that it was it would be we could do good things with it because they were so revolted by just the sight of smoking. <laughs> let's let's take a poll here. How many people here of the seven of us ever were cigarette smokers? Raise your hand. I was not. I was not. <laughs> All right, that's five out of seven. Only the only Sam Hal Kaplan has lived his life, Peter. <laughs> but Sam really without the nicotine in his lungs. Right. I want to acknowledge that, Sam. I did, but I think you know. I think the network made a mistake on this because I think it was just like a magical day that Brenda is. It's a big mistake too, because instead of doing a storyline, we have it, we're glorifying smoking and never doing the payoff. And it's almost like, Oh my God, one day she magically quits. Yeah. 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 All right, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Brooke, uh, Brooke, so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, do you, you look back on this, is there mostly really good memories of working on the show? Or what, what, when you look back on it, uh, when this is the first time that you've looked back on this in a long time, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, just one of the best times I ever had in my life. And I'm, I feel grateful and blessed to have been cast. And I think it was a great show. And then just watching the shows that you sent me over yesterday, uh, it was such a good show. The writing, the acting, everything, the direction. So I'm just, please just punch. <laughs> well, thank you. Awesome. Well, why we have you here? I know some people want me to ask you about you doing an episode of Curb, and this is this is indulgent, and I apologize, oh, but no. we're a bunch of Curb Your Enthusiasm fans yeah. here. You did do an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. um, where you played the Mary in the manger. Uh, mm-hmm. What was your experience like working with Larry David and working on the on that show? I. I laughed from morning to sunset and all through lunch. And uh, I just don't think <laughs> those actors are so brilliant at what they do because they have no script. So they're just constantly coming up with stuff. Um, I, I was just, I was so happy to be with them. I, I remember I walked into the audition and they were all there. And I was like, oh my God, you're all here. It was my favorite show. And um, I just, I had a great time on that show. That's awesome. Um, and Justina says, Alexandra has such a bubbly demeanor, not Brooke. So I'm glad <laughs> we were able to do exactly. that and say this is an actress who played a part <laughs> years ago. Um, this has been great, guys. Is there anything else that we need to talk about in this episode, Chuck? Or do you think we covered it? I think, uh, yeah, I think it's the big, uh, uh, you know, Thank you. It was really fun to have everyone. Sam, Alexandra, Diane. It's of course, we're going to hang out. And Lauren, Jessica, of course. Lauren, you have to, you get the last, as, as, as Lawrence O'Donnell would say, you get the last word. Wow, no pressure. Okay, well, 
I would like to say to everyone who is a part of the show and a part of this episode, um, watching it for me was really special because it, it took me right back to being a kid. And I grew up in Massachusetts, so a liberal state, but in a red town. And it kind of um, put a, a name on what was like this quiet racism that was there, but it it wasn't the racism that they taught us about in school. It, it was more <laughs> horrible. Um, and I have to say thank you because it, it started discussions, um, you know, not with, my parents are two liberal psychologists, so those are the discussions I grew up with, but with my group of friends, it started this organic discussion um, about what that means. And it also, I think, empowered us to want to be the, the good guy, want to be the Brandon and say, hey, that's not cool at all. So uh, anyway, it, you know I'm a huge fan of the show. This is why, because I think that you um, provoked really important discussions uh, that, that are timely. Um, unfortunately, this one is, is is still going on, but I know that it I know that it had a, an important effect on um, so many of us growing up watching the show. So, definitely agree with you on that for sure. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I just want to remind everybody: if you aren't on our Patreon or you're on our Patreon, um, we are going to be doing an after dark soon, and you can get that by going here, patreoncom slash Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two and Show. And Diane's going to be hanging out and asking your answering your questions about uh, costumes and all of that stuff. Costumes. And I got it. And also next week we're doing Peach Pit After Dark. We've invited everyone who's ever played there. Um, so make sure you tune in next week because it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know if everybody's going to show up, but we've invited all. We've even invited the Goo Goo Dolls. Probably not coming. So, uh, <laughs> so, But we did invite them all. So, but, uh, so next week is the Peach Pit After Dark. And as we start to plan for one of our pop-up peach uh, peach pit after darks. Yes. All right, well, guys. Don't make me sing. Don't make me sing. No, you might sing next week and do your, your <laughs> like, like like the SNL character. Don't make me sing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. This has been great. We will see you all next week. Alexandra, thank you so much. Diane, Jessica, it's wonderful to see you. Lauren, Sam, Chuck. Sam, all right. Thank you Have a good one, guys. All right. Bye bye.